Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, the president is out on his second foreign trip. This one, particularly high stakes. He uh, is in Poland on his way to Germany, and he will be meeting with, finally, at long last, one-on-one, Russian President Vladimir Putin. You don't say. I I hadn't heard anything about this. There's yeah, no information around this, is, this one at all. You heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it. Look, this is this is as big as they come. There is no bigger meeting than with Vladimir Putin. So many storylines uh, when it when it comes to the election hacking and the allegations around that, the investigations that are they're swirling around. Not to mention national security, Syria, North Korea, these big crises that always seem to have Russia playing a role. Russia is everywhere and and anywhere in in, in these discussions. And to, ha- to to now know that the two men are going to meet face to face, we'll be dissecting every frame of video around it, every every hint of sound that, that that comes out of it. This is a big moment for President Trump because he's got uh, he's got such skepticism, such criticism over his relationship with Russia, even from inside his own party. People just cannot figure out what what his stance is on Russia what his stance is on Vladimir Putin. We get some big questions answered in the next 24 hours. And we have here on Powerhouse Politics an interesting mix of guests. In just a few moments, we'll be talking to Andrei Sitov, who is with the Russian state-controlled news agency TASS, uh, somebody who has been covering the White House uh, for nearly 20 years. He is in there. I see him uh, virtually every day. We have one of those briefings, which I guess is fewer and fewer these days. Uh uh, they're uh, not called on so much by, uh, by by Sean Spicer these days. I guess he doesn't like the imagery of calling on a uh, on a Russian journalist. But but Andre has some very uh, firm opinions about uh, about the Russia issue. Uh, tends clearly <laughs> a Russian perspective. We will also be joined uh, by Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma, Republican member of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And one of those Republicans that is not afraid to criticize the president. Yeah, and, and I think the, the, the differing perspectives uh, are, are key here because the Russians are are looking forward to this as well. They're trying to get to know this new uh, this new president. Uh, and so are Senate Republicans, frankly, because they are in a position where, given the investigations, given the policy uh, policies that are set. You know, John, I, I just I, I'm most curious about which Trump we're going to get. We've seen. President Trump and his inclination to to want to be liked and to even suggest in the past that he has a relationship with Vladimir Putin, uh, that Vladimir Putin has said nice things about him, he'd say nice things back. There's also the inclination to want to be tough and to want to be feared and and engender that kind of respect via that fear. Um, Putin knows that game quite well. So is that the attitude that he takes in this meeting? Uh, when you when you have real issues on the table, it's not just it's not just meddling in the election. You have big national security challenges as well, economic issues, uh, of course, territorial issues that he, that he's calling out a bit. All of those things crash together, and uh, and they happen in the most personal of settings. And we had also just just moments ago, we had the first press conference, the first press conference by President Trump. On foreign soil, one of these where you get two questions from the American side, two questions from the Polish side, side by side um, with President uh, Duda of Poland. And I'll I tell you, one thing, I, one thing I'm always interested in is who is Donald Trump going to call on in these press conferences? And I thought it was interesting that the very first person called on on foreign soil by President Trump was uh, uh, David Murtasco of uh, the Daily Mail. A very interesting choice because he's somebody who just weeks ago was under consideration for the job of White House communications director. So I guess he didn't get the job. 
He got the question. Um, but he asked a question. He had a two part question. And this is what we do sometimes. We don't get a chance, any journalist, you know, you don't get a chance to ask the president a lot of questions. Sometimes, sometimes you pack in widely divergent topics. So he asked a question about North Korea and what the pre- if the president was prepared to use military force against the North Korean threat. Very good question. Very on topic. But he also asked about CNN. I have to ask about this. Since you started the whole wrestling video thing, what are your thoughts about what has happened since then? I mean, CNN went after you and has threatened to expose the identity of a person they said was responsible for it. I'd like your thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, I think what CNN did was uh, unfortunate for them. As you know now, they have some pretty serious problems. Uh, they have been fake news for a long time. They've been covering me in a very, uh, very dishonest way. Do you have that also, by the way, Mr. President? But CNN and, and others, I mean, I know there's NBC is equally as bad, uh, despite the fact that I made them a fortune with The Apprentice, but they forgot that. But I will say that uh, CNN has really uh, taken it too seriously, and I think they've hurt themselves very badly, very, very badly. And what we want to see in the United States is honest, beautiful, free, but honest press. We want to see fair press. I think it's a very important thing. We don't want fake news. And by the way, not everybody is fake news. But we don't want fake news. Bad thing. Very bad for our country. Beautiful, free, and honest press. Uh, everybody is not fake news. I guess he's talking about powerhouse politics there, uh, Rick. I, I, I suppose that, that's the case. And I, I, an image ran through my head as, as you hear that answer is that Vladimir Putin is smiling. Because he also doesn't like fake news. Or he'll, the two of them could potentially bond over their mutual d- disdain for fake news. They both use the idea of, of fake news uh, as, as their own version of creating what you might call an alternative fact. I, I thought that was striking to be on foreign soil for the president of the United States to be attacking American media institutions as quote-unquote fake. Uh, we know it's a tool in the toolbox, but I feel like this is one that has a particular edge given the setting and given the stakes and given the timing right on the eve of this meeting with Putin. It, it, I, I agree. It was rather extraordinary. And to take that shot at NBC entirely gratuitously, he wasn't asked about NBC, and to bring up The Apprentice. Um, I mean, just kind of... As if that makes is... a difference, that he had a <laughs> successful show for their entertainment division. He's expecting, what, nicer news coverage? And, and the next reporter he called on, just for the record, was Hallie Jackson of NBC. Of NBC, but whatever, oh, <laughs> whatever. It's it's a, it's it's hard to figure out. The president also in that press conference came forward and acknowledged that the Russians did it, and the it I think he was referring to was the, uh, the election hacking, but then he quickly added that others uh, may have been involved, other countries, other people, but then Rick. I, 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 he, he went on when, when the question was followed up to take a shot at the intelligence communities again, uh, bringing up uh, the failure with weapons of mass destruction as a way to raise questions about whether or not the accuracy, you know, whether or not you can trust their findings on Russian meddling in the election. But, but t- take a listen to this excerpt. I heard it was 17 agencies. I said, boy, that's a lot. Do we even have that many intelligence agencies, right? Let's check it. And we did some very heavy research. It turned out to be three or four. It wasn't 17. And many of your compatriots had to change their reporting and they had to apologize and they had to correct. Now, with that being said, 
mistakes have been made. I agree. I think it was Russia, but I think it was probably other people and or countries. And I see nothing wrong with that statement. Yeah. So uh, let's just try before we turn to our guest to unpack that a little bit. You got to unpack like every phrase. I'm just going to do a little bit, Rick. Please, please don't don't set expectations. So he said he heard it was 17. That's because much of the reporting said 17 intelligence agencies have, you know, signed off on the conclusion that the Russians have hacked the election, et cetera, et cetera. So he did some heavy research and found out it was only three or four. So let me... Let's talk about heavy research. (laughs) (laughs) Let me me try to explain it. As you know, there were two uh, intelligence products that were made public on the Russian hacking issue. The first was the preliminary report that came out in October before the election. Uh, That was uh, a product uh, that was signed off on, yes, all of the intelligence agencies, all of them. Okay, so the 17 or 16 intelligence agencies. That was signed off on all of them. That was what they call an IC product. That was the intelligence community finding, we believe the Russians are you know, attempting to interfere with the election and we're behind the hack. The more extensive report that came out earlier this year was specifically a product of three intelligence agencies. So, and it said so. You didn't have to do any research. But does it matter at all, John? I mean, just look at the cover sheet. But (laughs) I I just, I don't think it matters. It makes any difference at all. If it's three or 17, it's the consensus view of the intelligence agencies. And to me, this was, again, we talked about undermining the media on foreign style. This is undermining the intelligence community very directly. Yes, Um, and the part I didn't play was bringing up the weapons of mass destruction. Bringing up the failure of the CIA on the issue that ultimately sent us to war in Iraq. And once again, Vladimir Putin is smiling. I mean, this is, it tees up the meeting, it seems to me, very, very well for Vladimir Putin and the perspective of uh, of undermining the credibility of major United States institutions. That's part of what makes this extraordinary. All right, and we're joined now by Andrei Sitov of the Russian TASS news agency. Andrei, thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you, it's a pleasure. Now, you've uh, been a, a presence in the White House briefing room for a long time. You've covered uh, multiple U.S. presidents, and I know you've taken a, a great interest in uh, covering uh, President Trump and uh, the, the, the constant Russia story. Now, finally, at long last, five months into the Trump presidency, we are about to have Mm-hmm. Uh, the first bilateral meeting between Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. What, what, do, you, what do you expect out of this meeting? Uh, I expect them to meet. I expect them to get together and uh, hopefully uh, deal with each other the way uh, President Trump suggested that he would. Uh, I think this is badly needed by both our uh, countries. And uh, frankly, I also think that it's in the interest of the whole world because Uh, A lot of uh, security challenges uh, and problems in the world uh, depend uh, on uh, being handled together by the United States and by Russia. I've noticed it's it's been hard to get information out of this White House, at least for me, and I'm sure for you as well, about what the Trump administration is looking for out of this meeting. The Russians seem to have been, you know, much more specific about the issues they want to raise uh, with President Trump. 
Uh, what what have you been able to, to to get anything out of Sean Spicer or any of our? Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 no, uh, obviously uh, the administration is working under a lot of strain uh, because of of the uh, constant stream uh, of allegations, uh, completely uh, unproven uh, allegations, but. Uh, uh, still uh, coming uh, to the administration every day. Uh, I uh, I haven't to to, to uh, answer directly your question, and, I, and I'm sorry uh, for mumbling here because I, I, I've been up since 4 a.m. this morning, and uh, I uh, I've been covering uh, the uh, trip of, of your president to Europe. And then his speech in Poland. Uh, but uh, I uh, no, I I, I couldn't uh, get uh, much from uh, the White House for obvious reasons. Uh, they uh, I guess uh, do not want to produce even the impression uh, of uh, talking too too much to uh, to the press, especially the Russian press. What was the initial take uh, for you and a Russian audience to the president's comments this morning on the eve of the Putin meeting? Uh, he said. That he, he, he again cast doubt on on whether the hacking uh-huh. was was engineered by Russia. Also cast doubt on the American news media, intelligence agencies. He also called out Russia a bit in his speech in Poland. But what what was your uh-huh. take? How do you think it's being received in in Russia? I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not surprised at all. Uh, frankly, I I think the president has been consistent uh, about these uh, things that uh, he uh, expresses. Uh, I think the uh, a lot of uh, variations and speculation around that uh, has been uh, present in the media, but that's a different story. We all know how the president uh, views the media uh, these days. Uh, but uh, for him, uh, frankly, uh, I have hopes. I, I still have hopes that uh, uh, we can uh, move to something better uh, in our uh, relations, the relations between our states. I've already said that this uh, would be beneficial for all, and uh, I do hope that uh, President Trump sticks to his line. So President Trump's been asked many times his his views on President Putin. We've heard right. a variety of different answers over the years. What do you think President Putin thinks of President Trump? Uh, we uh, the only thing we we do know, and this is this has been misrepresented here. This is why I'm uh, immediately referring to that. Uh, uh, Mr. Trump himself, uh, even before he was president, uh, uh, so, so referred to it saying, uh, this guy calls me a genius. Uh, this is not entirely true. Uh, the, the Russian word yarki uh, means uh, out of the ordinary, uh, <laughs> a, a person standing out. Uh, so he he did call him a stand a standout politician. That, that that's for sure. Uh, what else he thinks about that? Uh, I think the official line has been always uh, that uh, the Russians uh, do not deal with personalities uh, in in America. Uh, they they uh, actually assume that the policies. Uh, in Washington will remain the same, more or less, regardless of who is in power. I was, I have just been talking to the Russian ambassador, uh, who is leaving his position uh, shortly uh, for his final interview, and, and he uh, said that uh, many times over, uh, that uh, they were uh, getting ready uh, for dealing with whoever gets elected, be that Trump or uh, Hillary Clinton. 
uh, again, with the assumption that the policies will uh, basically be uh, the same and driven by the American national interest. And this is what uh, we, I guess we are seeing with the caveat, with the exception that obviously the administration is under enormous strain uh, from the media, from uh, the public hoopla uh, around anything to do with Russia, which, uh, frankly, I resent and I think is not helpful. But, uh, Andre, we, we heard from the president in, this, in his speech. Let's mm-hmm. deal with two things he said today. Uh, right. First, uh, something we really haven't heard from, from Donald Trump, which was uh, explicit criticism of Russia. Let's play it. We urge Russia to cease its destabilizing activities in Ukraine and elsewhere and its support for hostile regimes, including Syria and Iran. And we also heard the president in the news conference say explicitly uh, that he believes that Russia was behind uh, the uh, the hack of the DNC, of uh, Russia had meddled with the election. Let's play that. Well, I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people in other countries. Uh, could have been a lot of people interfered. So maybe this gets to your point that ultimately there isn't much of a change, even with the extraordinarily different personalities uh, and uh, statements of policy between Obama and Trump, you can't imagine a more different, uh, you know, uh, a more dramatically different approach uh, than between those two men. But what do you make of those two statements from the president? Uh, the, uh, again, I, I, I think the president has uh, repeated uh, his long-standing positions. Uh, the positions have been known. The Russians uh, have uh, obviously uh, <clears throat> refused to accept uh, the allegations of their quote-unquote destabilizing uh, actions, uh, be that uh, in, in, in other countries or elsewhere. It's... it's uh, it's uh, basically it's unchanged, and maybe the, this is good that it's unchanged. Again, uh, we are all waiting for the big meeting uh, tomorrow, and uh, my hopes are that uh, they uh, will uh, be able to deal with each other. And uh, by the way, I should have said uh, at the beginning that I'm only speaking for myself here. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, speaking for my agency, much less I, I, I'm speaking for Russia. Or, or, uh, you know, this is a little bit uh, loose in the, in the way Americans use the word Russia in this uh, whole context, uh, because uh, I don't know what Russian hackers do. Uh, nobody does. I mean, there are probably uh, thousands. Or I, I, I'm not familiar. I'm not an expert in this field. Uh, I assume there are thousands and maybe millions of people. There are millions of people on the internet every day. That's for sure. I don't know how many of them are hackers. But uh, saying uh, Russia about uh, all of them uh, is uh, simply not true. Uh, to, to begin with, I, I could say that a lot of the so-called uh, quote-unquote Russian hackers uh, come uh, from other countries of the uh, former Soviet Union where people speak the Russian language. Uh, and uh, from what I saw in the reports, uh, the linguistic references uh, played a big role, uh, which uh, to me is not convincing. Uh, so, like President uh, Trump has just said uh, in the quote that you played, uh, it, it could have been uh, Russian hackers, it could have been somebody else. You mentioned an exit interview with uh, Ambassador Kislyak. Uh, right. That's intriguing to me. I'm just curious what you learned about the, the Trump 
Russia relationship from the standpoint of a, of a man who's become famous for reasons that a diplomat normally wouldn't want to be because of the meetings he's had. What's what's the sense from the from the departing ambassador about the state of the Putin administration's relationship with the Trump administration? Uh, he says it, it is not easy. It's not been easy for them uh, to deal uh, with uh, the uh, Trump administration uh, because of uh, the quote-unquote uh, poisonous atmosphere uh, around Russia. Uh, he personally uh, uh, resents, uh, I think, uh, his celebrity uh, in, in this way because, as he says, this celebrity is based upon lies. Uh, about what they do at the embassy. And frankly, uh, I've, I've been in Washington, D.C. for 20 years. Uh, I've seen several administrations. I've seen several ambassadors. And uh, I can tell you they all do the same thing. Uh, it's, it's their job to keep in touch with people, to build uh, new relationships, uh, to, to talk constantly to officials, uh, current officials especially, and former officials. This is what they all do. And nothing, absolutely nothing that I've seen uh, gives me uh, any sense that uh, nothing, uh, that something, something uh, what's the uh, word now that they like using, quote-unquote, nefarious, that something nefarious was taking place. So, so what what is your sense of, of of this meeting? What what does the Russian side want to get out of the meeting with Trump? I mean, I I, I see some you know one of the issues, for instance, that uh, that will be raised uh, by President Putin is the idea of the the, the diplomatic compounds that were uh, uh, that were shut down by President Obama in retaliation for for the election meddling. What 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 what's on the list of deliverables that the, the Russians the, the, want to get? The Russian compounds is a small issue. It's an irritant, obviously, uh, but it's uh, I don't even know if it's an issue to be raised at the level of the leaders or of the heads of state uh, of the two countries. It's probably more suitable for some lower rank uh, diplomats to discuss. Uh, the uh, ultimate goal uh, of the Russians in this meeting, and I'm quoting my ambassador here, the ambassador Kislyak, is quote-unquote normalcy. They want to come back to the normal state of relations, which is, again, especially, it's important for any country, but it's especially important among such big and uh, important uh, powerful nations as the United States and Russia. So is your sense that this is being anticipated as much in Russia as it is in the United States? You're seeing the kind of fevered pitch of the of media anticipation around this meeting. Or, or is the Russian audience as dialed into this meeting as the American audience is? Yes, I'm, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. But uh, since I've been here for all these years, I, I probably am less qualified to speak about uh, the Russian reaction, uh, Russian audience uh, reaction to this than the American one. But the point is, it's a big deal that, 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 that for people that are following deal. this. It is, it is a huge deal. So, I, and, and I know you have to go, but, but, but before yeah. you do, uh, the, the, the one point of speculation on the American side is whether or not President Trump will bring up the the uh, the, the uh, meddling in the election. The, our intelligence agencies, of course, um, and, I, and I and I know you have raised serious questions about the intelligence findings on this. But our intelligence agency is saying not only that the Russian government uh, uh, hacked the DNC, meddled in, in in the elections with an intent 
to hurt Hillary Clinton and help Donald Trump, but also that this was an action that was directed personally by President Putin himself. What would the reaction be of of President Putin um, if if Donald Trump actually brings this up? I don't know. I don't know. We were, we need to ask President Putin, but he has said many times. Uh, about his overall uh, view of this, and I fully agree with him on that. I think it's an internal American matter. The Americans uh, are uh, uh, fighting each other. Uh, I think America is the uh, strongest country in the world, uh, economically, politically, militarily. Uh, No one can uh, do much harm uh, to America from the outside, but if the Americans want to do harm to themselves on the inside, uh, what can we do? And when I say that Americans are doing harm to themselves on the inside, uh, I'm specifically thinking about what your uh, intelligence services are doing. Uh, all the leaks that President Trump uh, uh, complains about, uh, this uh, report, quote-unquote, uh, with, uh, with allegations against Russia. If I were an American taxpayer, uh, I would be uh, uh, very... Uh, what, what's the word? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry again. I'm, I'm sleepy. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, tired. Uh, I, uh, this early in the morning. Uh, I... Uh, I, I would be interested to see uh, how these guys are spending uh, taxpayers' money uh, if they produce such uh, meager results. Uh, nothing has been proven at all, absolutely. And uh, there's been so much uh, leaking that uh, I think if I were an American, I would ask, what is doing more harm here? The, the, uh, the alleged interference that nobody has proven or the leaking of the uh, sensitive uh, information uh, from inside uh, the intelligence and all the other government bodies uh, that comes now to the pages of the newspapers all over America. I I, I don't know. It's it's up to you guys. If if you want to do it uh, to yourselves again, uh, we as outsiders, we can do nothing about it. All right, Andre Sitoff with the TASS News Agency. I always appreciate hearing your perspective, and uh, we'll see you around the White House briefing room. So, thank you, sir. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so, so, Rick, uh, an interesting perspective, because clearly it, it, it's a Russian perspective. It's a Russian government perspective. But, but Andre is somebody who has been, who I have seen in that briefing room under Presidents Bush, Obama, Trump. Um, and what's interesting is, I've seen him get his questions answered under the first two, but not under Trump. <laughs> I wonder if that's by they, they, they somehow have an allergy to calling on the Russian journalist in the uh, in, in the room. It's 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 pretty fascinating. Uh, but Rick, we are joined now with a very different perspective. Somebody with a very different uh, uh, perspective. Uh, Senator Langford from the great state of Oklahoma and a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Senator Langford, thank you for joining us. You're very glad to be able to join you. Uh, so I, I know you, you, you're a Republican member of, of the Intelligence Committee. You have been very critical of, of Russia, uh, particularly with uh, Russia's approach to Syria. And in fact, you were in Syria just last month. Uh, so I, I want to get a sense of what you heard from President Trump today. We heard, finally, I mean, what may have been the... the, the the first direct criticism of 
Russia's actions, uh, specifically in, 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 in Ukraine, um, and, uh, and, and a reference to their destabilizing, uh, uh, theoretically, uh, re- regarding uh, Syria. Has he been critical enough? Has he been, is, 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 does President Trump seem like he is in a position to actually uh, be firm in his meeting with Vladimir Putin? Yeah, we'll, we'll see as the days go on. Uh, I was very interested by your previous interview there from the Russian perspective of uh, the election interference, uh, when it is incredibly clear uh, that Russia was trying to interfere in our election. Uh, there is no question on that uh, by any means uh, that Russia was trying to engage to try to destabilize our democracy. For whatever reason, they've struggled in their elections to have a free and fair election, and they seem to get some sort of pleasure to try to interfere in other elections. Uh, to somehow elevate themselves. Uh, but it's also been clear with the Russian aggression in Crimea uh, reaching into uh, Ukraine, uh, and it was the same model that they used again in Syria. They were initially in Ukraine. It were not Russian soldiers. They were dressed as locals, but everyone knew they were Russians, and they kept saying, no, they're not ours. And then later it comes back, yes, they are Russian soldiers. Same kind of MO in Syria, uh, where then later uh, they actually come out, yes, they are Russian uh, uh, special forces and Russian military, and uh, those individuals are now partnering with the Syrians to try to prop up Assad. The Russians do have to explain, and I'm glad that Trump is putting pressure on Russia finally to be able to step in and say, how can you stand by Assad, who murders his own people, who uses chemical weapons to attack his own folks and civilians? How can you stand by him as your partner? And uh, when you continue to be able to force Russia to explain uh, why they are so partial to Assad, who is such a ruthless dictator. Regarding the election hacking, the, the president has seemed to have such a hard time acknowledging the Russian role here. He did today, kind of, but I want to play. I want to play two bits of sound. First, the first bit of sound is Donald Trump way back in September of last year, uh, during during that presidential debate with Hillary Clinton. Uh, this is before either of the two intelligence community reports on, on Russian interference. And here's what he had to say back then. Could also be lots of other people. It also could be somebody sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? I mean, and the first part of that is he, is he said it could be Russia, it could be China, it could be somebody 400 pounds sitting on, on his bed. Now we have what he said today. Well, I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people in other countries. Uh, could have been a lot of people interfered. The answer isn't much different. I mean, he's still saying, yeah. I mean, now he says, I think it was Russia, but what was Russia? It could have been Russia, you know, other people, other countries. Why does he have such a hard time acknowledging what you have just said is blatantly obvious? That I don't know. I was glad to hear him step out and say it is Russia. Uh, and then he said it could have been other countries as well. I don't know if he's trying to allude to uh, everything that was happening during the election time period, uh, not solely putting it on Russia. There's no question uh, that there were major aspects of the hack that happened uh, that were certainly Russia and Russian operations. Could there have been other countries that are involved? Could there have been other individuals also doing hacking? Of course there could. But there's no question that the, the point of this was Russia. And uh, so glad to be able to hear him step out and to be able to say that. Uh, but it's also important that we continue to apply pressure. My main question is, once you know that Russia has hacked into our uh, election system and they're trying to find some way, which way they're unsuccessful of, uh, they weren't able to change votes, they weren't able to change any of that. But once you know they're trying to interfere in our election system, what do you do? How do you apply pain? And uh, what I try to do is illustrate it with the Olympics. When it was 
clear that the Russians were doping their athletes in Sochi. Uh, the U.S. Olympic Committee responded by kicking their athletes out of the 2016 Olympics. They faced a real consequence for that. Uh, that was clear and that was connected. So my issue now is what is the clear pain that Russia will experience based on their actions? Because I don't think they changed the behavior until they actually have experienced some sort of pain. Just like I don't think they stopped doping their athletes until they're actually cut off from international competition. So, so tomorrow, the big meeting, President Putin, President Trump, first time face-to-face. Does President Trump, in your view, have to bring up election hacking? Or is that a secondary issue or tertiary issue when you've got Syria and even North Korea and you've got other international challenges? Does, does he have to say, Mr. Putin, President Putin, this happened and this can't happen again and these are the consequences? Or can he let this meeting go by without a mention? No, I don't think he has to in that sense. I think the reports that will come out and the days ahead will continue to reiterate uh, the facts that are on the ground. I think it should be something that's on the staff level at a minimum. But whether the two principals uh, with Putin and Trump uh, have to be able to have that conversation face-to-face, I don't think that's essential. I think some of the key areas that have to be discussed, as you mentioned, North Korea and Syria, we have to have a clear set of agreement. Those are areas that we have to be able to find some common ground on. Uh, like it or not, uh, we've got to be able to work together in Syria uh, to be able to have to remove Assad. And Russia, as I said before, has to explain why they're backing Assad at this point uh, and why they don't want a transition into a freer government uh, that uh, has a leader that doesn't murder his own people. Talk about, in your view, what pain would be. Uh, obviously, this isn't a sports competition. And barring athletes wouldn't be enough. What is an appropriate level of pain? What should the response be? on the part of the administration uh, to, to recognize what happened and to make sure that Russia feels it? Well, let me, let me give you a couple of thoughts on it. Obviously, Congress just passed, or through the Senate, I should say, just passed a sanctions piece on Russia based on what's happening in Ukraine and the Crimea and their continued push. It is not connected to the election piece, though all of us are extremely aware that's one of the aspects. A sanctions uh, section, I think, is important. Uh, but it takes years for that to actually take effect. Uh, most sanctions take four, five, six years before the nation actually feels the full effect of that. But you can begin to roll that out and to be able to have some real pain where they understand if you respond, this is how we respond. The second part about this is harder, uh, and that is dealing with what's called a cyber doctrine. It's something we work with the Obama administration for years on to have a clear policy that can be put out that if any nation, whether it's North Korea, Iran, China, Russia, whoever it may be, if they try to interfere in any of our infrastructure or our systems through a cyber attack, we have a structured response that they know, if you do this, then this is how we respond. That has not been put into place. And I have already started to encourage uh, the Trump administration to say there's unfinished business from the Obama administration, that there was never a clear uh, statement about the if-then of cyber warfare. And uh, we need to get that done to be able to put that in place and have a series of options of if here's how we respond electronically. And it needs to be in kind. This is not about escalations. This is not about we kick out their diplomats, they kick out ours. Uh, this needs to be a clear statement that is immediate. Uh, then when we know it is them, uh, you can connect the dots and then say, here's our, here's our state of response, and you do it. Senator Langford, I know you have to go. One last question before you do. Can you bring us up to date on where the Senate Intelligence Committee investigation is. How long is this investigation going to go on? How long will it be before you, your committee, will be able to come out and say, these are our conclusions about 
what the Russians were doing uh, during the election and what, if any, complicity or collusion there was between anybody um, uh, or not in, in, in Donald Trump's orbit uh, and the Russians. Yeah, I, I would assume it's by the end of the year, but it's still months away. Uh, we're not done as we try to wrap up the thousands of pages of documents. It's also important to us and has been from the beginning that we do this in a bipartisan way. That takes more time uh, because we've all got to look at the same set of facts and all have to come to the same conclusions. Uh, there are lots of folks who will have additional questions as you go through it. You have to chase every one of those questions to make sure all of us are looking at it and say this is actually what happened. And our three big questions are, uh, did the Russians try to interfere in our election? And I don't think there's any question that that's true. The second one is, did any American, and not just someone in the Trump administration, did any American try to work with the Russians uh, to be able to help interfere in our election? And then the third one deals with leaks. Uh, how did all these classified documents get into the public view? Uh, because it's extremely important that we continue to be able to maintain uh, the classified documents as classified. All right, Senator Lankford, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. You bet. I'm glad to be able to do it. So I have to say, uh, Rick, I, I have uh, uh, been impressed that that committee, and I think Senator Lankford illustrates it, uh, of, of all the uh, committees looking into this issue, has managed to remain, uh, you know, relatively bipartisan. And, 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 and I think you heard from him, uh, from Senator Lankford, some very direct criticism, obviously, of, of of Russian activities and 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 by extension uh, concern about about the Trump administration's approach to these issues. One hundred percent agree, and you can you can hear it when you talk to these senators. They don't get it either. They don't understand why President Trump seems unable to concede this particular point regarding Russia around the, their their role in, in meddling and the broader point about what whether Russia Russia is friend or foe. That uh, that that piece of Senate legislation that Senator Lankford referenced was a pretty startling rebuke to the president, uh, taking away some of the options the White House has to respond to Russia. And I think they'll continue to stand against him where they feel it's appropriate. I think that feeds the bipartisan nature of this investigation is that as a starting point, they're, they're, they're at a different place already than President Trump and the Trump administration is by accepting the, the, the findings of the intelligence agencies, accepting Russian interference in the election. That's a given from where they start. And, and frankly, they're frustrated by the fact that President Trump seems unable, unwilling to do that. I think um, a little bit heartened, as you heard from Senator Lankford, by the, the speech uh, today in Poland uh, that seemed to, to, to call out the Russians a bit. But uh, that, that isn't the broad issue of, of election hacking. And, uh, and, of course, we'll find out tomorrow whether it uh, comes up in that mano a mano meeting. And, you know, you mentioned the, the, the sanctions bill, and I think that it passed the Senate. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was like 97 to 2. Or 98, exactly yeah, a, yeah. It wasn't exactly a squeaker. Uh, it hasn't passed the House. There's been some questions raised about some parliamentary issues, et cetera, et cetera. But the White House has been quite critical of it. Uh, they haven't issued a veto threat yet. But it'd be very interesting to see if we get to that point, the president has to decide whether or not to sign that bill or veto something that the overwhelming majority of Congress, the overwhelming majority of Republicans uh, have signed on to. That's right. And and look, it gets at the, the broader policy issues here and the attitude toward Russia. And we're about to learn a lot about President Trump's actual attitude toward Russia. He's a guy that enjoys the engagement on a personal level. 
Um, he has said contradictory things about even having met President Putin in the past. It will be undeniable that the two will meet. Uh, and he's also going to be up against uh, an absolute master of the genre. I mean, some of the, the classic imagery of recent American presidents has been uh, surrounding personal meetings with, with President Putin. Uh, and he knows the medium of television and of uh, of the media uh, as as well, or maybe even better than President Trump, and that's saying something. So uh, I'm curious to see if uh, if he has met his match in terms of the 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 imagery and the manipulation that goes around it, and the personal statements that go even in body language. Nobody speaks more loudly with body language than Vladimir Putin. I mean, you look back to some of those meetings with, uh, with, with Barack Obama and whatever they were saying, you could almost like turn the sound down and yeah, just yeah. look at the, and just look at the body language. But I, I thought, uh, in, in our, in our first interview, uh, with Andre Sitov, again, somebody clearly with the Russian perspective, it was interesting to me to hear him say that their view is that American policy essentially remains the same? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, I mean, and and, and this is actually something that, uh, that, that 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 Putin said. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Oliver Stone interviews, but it's it's a point that he makes it as well. But uh, but American policy essentially the same. We will see. <laughs> we will see if there's ever a time to test that proposition. It's uh, it, it's the change from Obama to Trump. And, and, and look, you talk about body language. Let's see if Putin can suppress a smile because he is enjoying this moment. If he if he's able to keep a smile away from his face, you don't want to play poker against that dude. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. We will be back next week with more Powerhouse Politics. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. 